Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! Gee! He's round the goalkeeper, he's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Does it tame and tame and tame again? Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! How many high achieving football figures must come from the same area of the country for there to be something in the water? Sky Sports News doing the best with what they have. A poignant moment for AI powered Alan Smith. The parameters for a player having another player on toast. What exactly are fine margins? Gary Weaver quietly going about his domestic business. And the team that will win England the 2030 World Cup based on all previous teams that were going to win England future World Cups. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is football cliches. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 216 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me on the adjudication panel first of all is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, I'm over England, are you? Yeah, over the disappointment or mm. just over them as a concept. I've, I've now moved on to delving into the rationalisation of it. And uh, I feel like everyone's now falling over themselves to to make sense of it all, just like we always do. It's, it's weird. It's a weird preoccupation. It's different. I think it is different this time because it, it's quite unusual. We play well and go out. Normally, it's the, oh, my God, we've underachieved or we've been found out. But neither of those things happen. So it's mm. a slightly different. It's like when you when you think, would you rather lose a game sort of harshly? That that comes with certain disappointment. Or would you rather just be battered and not even have the hope? Um, they're, yeah. they're, very, they're two very different forms of disappointment. We're really struggling with this, aren't we, Dave Walker? We are. It does seem that everyone, as you say, everyone has to find the sort of silver bullet as to why it went wrong or what Southgate could have done. There's, there's, been, there's been quite an even split between Southgate did well, we shouldn't judge him too harshly, and also, but if you actually look at it, you know, there's people going, ah, but if you see in this moment here the fine margins and all that. like, So it's a bit of a weird one. It's, this isn't a root and branchable... Tournament no. for England, is it? No, no, definitely. There's nothing to root and branch. Not even root. I, th- I think that's what's Not weird. Branch. We're, we're used to with club football. We we can pour over things and try and make sense of them. But the problem is, it was it was a good performance. And in a league, I tweeted this. I think you are being like, yeah, they played. Re- you know, they played well against the holders. That bodes well. The underlying numbers are good. You know, r- mm. looking f- going forward, they they should mm. be doing well this season. But ultimately, you're just out, and there's not really much more you can do with that. Your tweet, Charlie, was really interesting because it was after the event, and you said that you know um, we we put so much into these individual games, but if it, if it was just a domestic game, we'd be more. Of course, we'd be more blasé about it, but. 
from a footballing perspective, you say, okay, we played all right, but you know, there's we'll move on. There's we're still looking good. You'd rationalise it like that. I feel like the same happened in the lead up to the game. And whilst I realise that international football is its own breed sometimes, it, sort of the, the chat about sort of you know Carl Walker versus Mbappe, sort of isolating these random little things. Um, to rationalise this game before it even happened and then predicting the score. I feel like you wouldn't do that with a with a normal football game. This, this complete disregard for the for possible variances in luck and fortune that mm. might just happen. They're completely out the window in a lead-up to a game like this. You just, you just can't admit that they might happen. Boring things. I think it's kind of linked to that because, you, yeah, you kind of have to make sense of it um, beforehand because after you're not going to be able to in quite the same way. Whereas mm. with a lead-up, you can let it happen and then sort of do all the analysis so it is, it is a strange thing I did actually quite enjoy Dave all that emphasis on Kyle Walker being the one to stop Mbappe and their first foot race in the game which was a genuine foot race as well mm. it almost looked like both of them <laughs> you could just almost see on both of their faces the fact that all this pressure had been put on their head to head before the game it's like we're going to do it I'm going to do it and mm. they were running extra quickly to make sure it was just a really nice part of the build up I really enjoyed it you don't get that much anymore that sort of one versus one debate it's almost like they should have done it in like the first minute just to get it out of the way mm. should, we just, should we just have a race now just <laughs> put that one to bed off the and ball. then we'll move on. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Sincere um, opinion alert, but I thought Carl Walker did actually a really good job. Welcome yeah. to the Totally Football Show, by the yeah, way. Yeah, no, this is great, isn't it? <laughs> uh, very sincere. But um, uh, let's get on to adjudication panel business. Uh, I'm sure Dave will edit that earnestness down a little bit. This is from Matt Coleman, who directed me towards a, a tweet from SBS, the Australian broadcaster, who have had the pleasure of Martin Tyler on their commentary duty, as we've established so far, solo <laughs> commentary duty. Um <laughs> But uh, he's not half-arsing it for them. He produced this bit of social content for them. Like a kid in a sweet shop, they tweeted, SBS's FIFA World Cup commentator Martin Tyler takes full advantage of his free travel pass as he explores Doha's impressive metro system. Now, before we play the clip, I just want you to know and be prepared for Martin Tyler saying the following bit in the most Martin Tyler way possible. You'll have heard this intonation so many times. Well... Some of you, of course, might be supporting the three lions on the, this World Cup journey. I've been supported by the three lines. There they are, the red, <laughs> the green and the gold. That's the metro here in Doha. <laughs> Is there, I feel like you should copyright that exact delivery, that, that real sort of gentle drop on the second part of his wordplay it's just so Tylerian. <laughs> there was one during Project Restart in the Merseyside Derby and it was like, here's Coleman. But who's going to be the goal man tonight? Which is even worse than that lines and lines, but is yeah. is sort of the same uh, the same strand. I wonder how long it took him to come up with that. They just gone just, down there, just gone. Come, on, might just freestyle something or someone. <laughs> but he's got the structure already. Just needs yeah. to fit in the elements. Um, mm. uh, it's all. I think he it. would have seen the three lines, and it would have triggered something. In his brain, like three lines. That sounds like three lines. Now I just need to find a way to crowbar it in. It probably made him delighted to do this little bit for them because yeah, you can get that in. Because the first part of the wordplay is fairly unnecessary. It doesn't actually relate re- exactly. remotely to... Yeah, exactly. so <laughs> I think that's exactly the thought process that happened, Charlie. I think you, you've got it bang on. With a tentative heart, let's do For My Sins Corner. Oof. We are in a bad moment for For My Sins Corner collectively. Um, this came from Tom Hiscott, who was listening to Brian May... On Zoe Ball's breakfast show on Radio 2, plugging a book about stereoscopy. Oh. That's like old-fashioned 3D to the layman, like Victorian-era 3D photography. That's what it's about. Oh, right. It sounds anyway. like a surgical procedure. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Well, Brian May is an exceptionally 
clever bloke. He, uh, he actually has a physics degree from Imperial. So this sort of thing doesn't surprise me all that much. Will this knowledge give you the upper hand in For My Sins Corner? Let's play the clip. You know what to do. Also, you guys have got so much going on. Uh, Brian, you're going to a book signing today. I have my book signing in the gallery. We have an exhibition of this uh, Serioscopy is Good for You yeah. in the Proud Galleries in Charing Cross. And okay. from 12 to 1 today, I will be there for my sins. For my sins? Uh, uh, signing yes. in. Yes. And you can also walk around. No, you were late again, Charlie. <laughs> what? Fantastic. Great. We'll get down to that. What? I literally got it. No, you said it afterwards. You said it. Isn't that literally said it, it sounds after, after to me, but I do worry about the dynamic audio dynamic of the Zoom. I, sh- I should. I actually. I was going to say after last week when I got done by that, we should do a test beforehand because I think you're getting it after. I said it as he said it. I. I am. I mean, a, a bit like a player appealing over a decision, Dave. I am quite persuaded by the manner of his appeal that he might be I, right. I, I don't feel like he would cheat now. It's not worth I it. I promise. And last week, if you listen back. <laughs> You can hear the way I'm talking in that triumphalist tone because mm. I'm like, oh, I've just got it. I don't I, think you, it's not in your locker to act no. like that if you hadn't have done it. Just, just, just for the people who can't see this, he's he's gone full Jude Bellingham at the referee during the France game about this. Hands this is, to his yeah. head w- with disbelief. I'll, I'll chalk that one up for you. Not that I'm keeping a record of these things, but we needed to get this thing back on track. It's been stalemate after stalemate. So sorry, Dave. Charlie's won that one. Um, no, that's fine. I, I was nowhere near. I didn't. I didn't see it coming at all. But um, yeah, we need some better clips. We Further better controversy in For My Sins Corner. I'm blaming the uh, playing surface, the, the the materials at our disposal for the decline in For My Sins Corner. Um, next up, everyone who was watching Holland versus Argentina enjoyed this clip. This is Martin Keown really, really struggling with what to call them. We come to half time, extra time, and it's still two apiece. Which way does the clairvoyant? Go now, Mr. Keown. <laughs> I'm going to go with Holland or the Netherlands, as we're allowed to call them now. <laughs> I can't actually get my head around this one, Charlie, because there's a vague hint of culture wars about it, but not enough to know exactly what he means. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a thing. I think he's just sort of thrown some words together there. Yeah, because he says, as, we, as we're allowed to call it, does he mean as we have to call it now? Yeah, I think, like, I think he, he means, yeah, supposed to call them now. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. is he getting at the sort of the pedantry police for telling him that Holland is a region and you should call it the Netherlands? Yeah. Or is he just a bit confused? Because also he kind of says Haaland there, which suggests he's a bit sort of frazzled as it is. I just think he's just so, in his day, it was always Holland. Just call them the Dutch. We've done this before. Just call them the Dutch. It's... it's it's a get-out clause uh, in football circles. Um, elsewhere during this game, some very highly predictable Chris Sutton just sitting here waiting for that trigger word. <laughs> <laughs> this is messy range, and he's waiting for the ball to be handed to him. There will be so many people inside this stadium now with their camera phones hoping to try and catch a glimpse of Messi. Because we all know what he's capable of. Why have a camera phone? Watch the game with your eyes. Messi. Waits. <laughs> Left of centre. Even better coming from a radio commentator as well, Charlie. I think even... <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that's that an irony not lost on him. It's it's a, a definitely a... A real co-commentatory bugbear, I think, Dave, especially for sort of ex-players of a certain vintage. But as soon as I heard that word camera phones, I knew 
something was about to ignite. And Sutton knew that he, I think he knew that he had to do it as well. Mm. He's got to play his part there. And there was a little chuckle afterwards. So he, kno- oh, so he, he, there he knows There was an element of glee about it. Yeah, that's there was a, a little smart, slight pantomime element mm. to it as well. Do you ever think like one day, like, you know, like you go to some gigs now and at the start they'll they'll quite earnestly request you not to take any photos because we want you to be mm. in the moment. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, Messi, maybe Messi should do that for the final. <laughs> Please, no photos, guys. <laughs> yeah, I can't see it catching on. It's too, it's too much a fixture of football culture now, isn't it? But um, let's move over to the, the hotbed of English football now. Patrick Smith has alerted me to the first half of Brazil versus Croatia. And commentator Ian Dark for the World Feed noted that Michael Oliver comes from the same town as Jack and Bobby Charlton and that there must be something in the water. I don't think a referee coming from the same town <laughs> as two brothers is meets the threshold for something in the water, despite there being other... Footballers who come from Ashington, New Milburns, all the Milburn family, um, which includes the Charltons by extension. But Charlie, can we can we just clarify that a top class referee plus two brothers, World Cup winning or otherwise, does not qualify for something in the water? I, I think that's right. But what about if what if you had multiple referees? If if say Clattenburg mm. and Oliver. Could I you agree. then talk about something being in the water? Yeah, I mean, something yeah, different. Yeah, that would be a micro-in-the-water situation, yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, because the water has had markedly different results here. You can't, I don't think you can compare a referee happening to come out of the same town as two brilliant football players. Also true. Yeah. Also true. There'd have to be multiple things in the water in this example. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And we're talking a good... Probably 50 years apart as well. Yeah, I was going to say the time frame yeah. doesn't really stack up. Yeah, so yeah. it's the most tenuous use of something in the water I've ever heard. So yeah, yeah. thanks, Patrick Smith. I completely agree with you. Let's talk about England versus France um, from our unusual left field sideways look perspective, shall we? I thought, Charlie, uh, the build-up to this game, as textbook as it was elsewhere, was undermined completely by Sky Sports News' Rob Dorsett tracking down, cornering Chesney bloody hawks. <laughs> in the middle of Doha. A lucky charm for England at this uh, tournament so far. It's only Chesney Hawks. You are becoming symbolic of England's rise through this tournament. So look, what about tonight's game, first and foremost? You were the lucky charm against Wales. What do you expect tonight? I mean, this is the world champions. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a slightly different uh, kettle of fish, isn't it? And we've got to get past Mbappe for a start. So what's the prediction? Let's go through it quickly. I've been saying 2-1 full-time because I don't want to go through the the heartache of penalties or even extra time at this point. I want... I want to be done in, in full time, 2-1. Could you play, if we were going to choose a song, Chesney? Um, well, I've got this Jazz Fusion album. <laughs> play something from your new album. No, you, look, you know what all of the England fans want. I know want. what you bloody want. <laughs> Could you give it a go for us, please? One, two, three, one. I am the one and only. Charlie, I know that Sky Sports News have very little to play with at major tournaments, but this was a little bit too BBC Breakfast for me. Yeah, I have to say, this Chesney Hawks thing has slightly passed me by and... Oh, right. Yeah. Quite quite pleased. 
in a way. He seems like a really nice bloke. He does. He does. And fair play to him. He's a good sport. And you yeah, know. he's he's really done the rounds at this World Cup. But why? What's what's has he just gone out there and thought? Oh, no, I'll he's be, been. I'll just... He was FIFA appointed, just like um, right. Republic so he's a, a front woman, Saffron. Um, they're out right. there for FIFA reasons. Wow, he's okay. fifty-one. So he... he looks great for his age. See, he's on the FIFA payroll, as it were. It's very bizarre. It, it's great also, Dave, that um, it doesn't matter who they are and why they're in front of the camera, they will be asked for a prediction on the game. <laughs> Have to ask. Yeah. <laughs> Have to ask. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, put you on the spot. What's your prediction? It's irresponsible of me not to ask Chesney Orks' prediction. <laughs> but uh, what I found weird about that clip is that around, so, so that if you can't see this, they're in the square in, in the sort of souk area of Qatar. Mm. And there's like, there's about five or six people sort of all stood around him. And it, it kind of looks like, you know, like when people are gathering behind someone who's on Sky Sports News on deadline day and they're just yeah. in the background. But mm. then as he as he launched into the song, they all started playing and doing the harmonising with him. I know, and like, they're, his, they're, them, his, they're his backing There was band. his band. That's his actual band. Yeah, yeah, they, just, yeah. they looked like they were just sort of punters just knocking about. With him. Um, standing next to him, Charlie, was his brother, Jody Hawks. Um, just a normal right. looking bloke who um, who appears to be much more of an actual football fan, but couldn't go to the game because they only had one ticket and that was Chesney's. Oh, what a horrible brutal. situation. Imagine yeah. the jealousy brewing there. Mm, and he is his there wasn't enough already. So he's been oh, yeah. Jody. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. He, um, the fact that he's that you've just said he's 51, Charlie, makes me think that this might not be a possibility now. But... Is this activity during the World Cup and his newfound sort of proximity to football one foot into next season's soccer aid for him? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Maybe he's too old, though. 51's quiet. But then I suppose like it, it Lee Mackey... doesn't Mackey's matter. He'd come and do something ceremonial, yeah. like take a kick-off or take one of the penalties <laughs> or something, wouldn't he? <laughs> ceremonial. Yeah. Um, Chesney Hawks. I like the slight anxiety in Dorset when he's... Don't play it as if pretending he's going to play something else. Like, no, no, no. Do do yeah. do play the song. Like, yeah. please. <laughs> Give us what everyone wants. Yeah. Oh, oh I don't know. It, it, it's, I mean, above all, I'm stunned how much of a normal, um, nice bloke he is, given the journey he's been on. So fair play to him. But, um, but his prediction didn't quite come true. England lost in the end. And uh, a real poignant moment for artificial intelligence Alan Smith <laughs> over at Veritone Voice. Here was his take on Harry Kane's pivotal moment. And that's a foul. Fernandez draws a yellow card for that. Kane takes the shot. Kane has sent the ball out of bounds. Lewis will now face an opposition penalty. The ball has gone out of bounds. Play will resume with Lewis in possession. England substitutes Foden with Rashford. <laughs> the ball has gone out of bounds. It's got the sadness in his voice. There's a sadness in the voice, Charlie. I feel like I feel like it's learning. He's becoming sentient. Fifty-six do, do years we, of hurt. Do we think anyone? This is how they found this out. That that, that was how the new the sort of. News was broken to him that Kane had missed this penalty. I mean, out of bounds, what a horrible way to, to discover that, you know, England's hearts were broken. Well, I really hope they didn't find out this way, Dave, because uh, um, the vagaries of the feed of Opta data, event data into the um, AI Alan Smith machine meant that it got all got jumbled up. So uh, the ball is out oh. of bounds. And then he had, then Kane took the penalty. So people were listening to yeah. that on the edge of their seats must have been, well, God. Well, I noticed that. I thought you'd edited that to like 
No. For dramatic effect. No, no. That's how it's spat out. I would never, ever jumble up the order of AI Alan Smith because <laughs> that would be misrepresenting everyone involved. And I wouldn't do that. Shame. But there's, there was sadness in that voice, wasn't there, Dave? There was. He's the right man for the job in that respect, I think. Back to mainstream commentary over on ITV. Um, I, I did enjoy it right just before kickoff, Charlie. Someone tweeted me saying, is this game too big for Lee Dixon? <laughs> like, I didn't have an opinion on it, but it's so great that someone was thinking about this as an ang- genuine anxiety before this game. But I couldn't think of anyone else available that could do it. I must be- Neville clearly not allowed to do co-commentary for, for ITV. That's so obviously true. No. Yeah. And also, well, I also wonder if it'd be too political for him to come straight in and get this gig and get that gig, given oh, yeah. he's sort of one tournament only person. But I mean, yeah. Dixon Dixon's is, got the shirt. He does have the shirt. It's all a bit Loro for me, from him. Mm. He feels like the kind of natural successor. He's slightly more constructive and cheerful than Danny Murphy, Dave. Uh, I do like Lee yeah. Dixon. Yeah, there's, is he a little bit too hard nosed? No, no, I know what you mean. He is in that. He is on that side of things in terms of he has his moments where he can be a bit, bit on the negative side. But I think he's, I think, like I say, he's, it's his gig. He's he's got quite a good rapport with Matterface. They're very much a pairing, aren't they? Yeah, they are developing as a as a pairing. One particular observation. One particular observation from Lee Dixon uh, was sent to me by Tom Miller. Let's hear it. It's Harry Kane for England. For Hugo Lloris, well, every time England get the ball, they've just got to feed Saka. He's got Fernandez on toast, he doesn't know what to do with him. Um, Tom Miller asks Dave, according to Lee Dixon, Saka had Theo Hernandez on toast. Is it only a winger that can have a fullback on toast? Or any other usages acceptable? It is. It is that now, isn't it? That's the only. That's the only toastable scenario in football, isn't it? That, I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say so. Would would. Well, a striker out up against a centre back. You can't have anyone on toast in the in the central areas, Charlie. Can yeah. you? Yeah. No, I was thinking what that would be though. That's where my mind went. What would you say when a centre for? I mean, I guess bullying him or schooling him, uh, giving him boys, the run around, giving the run around. Yeah, it's that sort of stuff. Chasing shadows. Um, yeah, I, I would actually, I would actually permit a, a limited use of the inverted in the pocket in his pocket. I th- I feel like a striker can have a defender in his pocket. I am sort of becoming more sympathetic to the inverse use of this. I think I heard that. I think someone said that um, mm. in relation to this game. I can't remember. It may, it maybe it was about Saka. The only exception on toast, if you you know you know how Henri used to just destroy Carragher whenever they played. Mm. Obviously, he his game Henri he was a striker, but it was about drifting wide yeah. into wide mm. areas, which is a bit of a which maybe is like is a bit of a cheat. But I think you could legitimately have said he's got Carragher on toast. But. Uh, I, I think you're right, maybe, but mm. the, but it's still the fundamental thing about it is that you're running past them with it's the ball, pace. isn't it? You're just yeah, yeah. You're, just, you're sprinting past them. Yeah, yeah. You, you, if you were giving them a physical situation, that wouldn't be on toast at all. Kane, Kane. I saw some people sort of referring in similar sort of language to Kane and Upa Meccano on Saturday because mm. he he was quite visibly just turning him every time. Upa Meccano was too close, and Kane was getting in for that one that was. Should, it was nearly a penalty. The other one where he had the shot against Lloris. Um but I, I, yeah, it, it went. It's one of those where you hear the you hear the phrase. What's the first thing that pops into your head? It's as you say, winger repeatedly beating fullback. Yeah, agreed. Um, Leo Watkins also heard this. He wondered, Charlie, who is the most on toastiest player? Be that hmm. the topping or the eater? Um, <laughs> who's the most toasted Ooh. fullback? Well, I mean, back in the day, he wasn't fullback, but I, but I do. I feel like Carragher was. People yeah. did have him on toast a bit because he wasn't the quickest. 
before mm. he moved into Central Area. Torrid, famously torrid times. I mean, Gary Neville towards the end of his career. Like his final he, game, yeah. Yeah, That's his wrong. final game. And there was one earlier in that season against Stoke where he should have been sent off. He was so off the pace. I think it was Matty Etherington had him on toast. Mike on against Mike on against Mike on and Bale yeah. is hugely toast. That's immense toast. Was Danny Mills on toast at Highbury a couple of times? Quite or was that possibly. just more of a general ridicule situation? Sort of got nutmeg by Perez and Yes, there was that, yeah. That, that but that was stuff. he was a kind of pantomime villain. Yeah. But didn't um, actually get rinsed for pace necessarily. Sl- yeah, slightly different. More just made to look a bit clumsy, mm. I think. So now we've we've covered we've covered the phrase, we've covered what we think it means in the general framework of being on toast. Um what we need is an is another ex player's angle on this, and we're better than Jay Bothroyd watching the game on Sky Sports News. This, this is the real... This, I love this variation on it. They, they don't know what to do. When, when Saka's got the ball, Hernandez, he's got Hernandez on absolute toast. He doesn't know where to go, <laughs> outside or inside. I love <laughs> Absolute toast is so, so good. I, I, they're about... There are about 10% of words in the in particularly football language. If you put absolute next to it, it makes it so, so much better. But absolute toast is great, Dave. I love on it. Absolute, on absolute toast. On absolute toast. Do you like uh, brown or white uh, absolute <laughs> toast, actually? Please, mate. <laughs> and it's great because you, yeah, I mean, it's basically he's absolutely got him on toast. It's mm. just like, like playing with the syntax. But it, it, it's almost like the famous John Hartson running a mock, running an absolute mock, which mm. is the, the finest of that genre but yeah no that's brilliant it adds a kind of layer of recent ex-player credibility to the phenomenon as well it might mm. not be grammatically correct but it add, there's more emphasis on it, it you can visualise it but he's on absolute toast it, it got me thinking though Charlie the, we established what the, the areas of the pitch where being on toast happens but I also think it's not just based on what has ha- actually happened to that defender yeah, I'd say it's about 50% evidence and the rest of it is hypothesis it, it's a little bit like doing it in advance you're saying give him the ball and he will have him mm. on toast I think there's an element of this could carry on going about it yeah I mean because I'll often think that you know when I'm watching say England or whoever I'm like he, you know you're up against this guy he's like he's so old just get at him you don't that's not really based on evidence necessarily it's more an assumption that because he's quite old or maybe he's playing out of position you know it's a centre back or something it's like test him get at his legs so yeah there is it is based a lot on assumption that it will keep happening I've got to mention at this at this point while we're on the subject after the live show in Dublin last month we uh, were having a chat with one of the guys in in the pub afterwards, and he came up and he and he was desperate to show us a tweet that he that he'd had in his mind for years, and it was from February 2017, mm. and it was Keith Andrews commentating on PSG against Barcelona in the Champions League, and on Presnel Kimpembe, he said he settled like absolute snow this evening. <laughs> <laughs> Once again. Put the word absolute yeah. in there, and it really works. It really does work. Settled like absolute snow. <laughs> like pure snow. How weird. I don't think I've ever heard like settled like snow. Is it what? Has he sort of come to terms with the game sort of thing? I guess so. Yeah, was he a new signing at the time or set? Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a completely ludicrous Too literal statement. use of the word settled there, <laughs> if anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, one, no, no wonder you enjoyed it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. 
Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. So, Gareth Southgate then. Existential dilemma for, for lots of people now, but whether he should stay or whether he should go. Charlie, I can sum it up by thinking he's right on the borderline, Gareth Southgate, between taking this team as far as he can and unfinished business. Mm. Uh, he's, he's smack bang in the middle. Yeah. This is a quite a tricky decision for him, I'd say. It, yeah, or oh, this is, there's still more chapters to write mm. for this team. Mm. It's like take your pick though, isn't it? From a, from a journalist's point of view. You can pick either. Yeah. It's like Boris Johnson writing two columns before the Brexit <laughs> <laughs> referendum. Just take your pick, write them both and they both make sense. But we should analyse them both. Dave, I think taking this team as far as he can is actually like a really vacuous thing to say. I think it's just one of those things that people say to make themselves sound clever without actually having to analyse the situation. Taking this team as far as he can. What does that mean? What does it mean? On any other yeah. night, we would have beaten France and it would be fine. Is that So is that as far as he's taken us? It's um... Yeah, it, it, exactly. Mm. Like, what, one, two penalty kicks away from winning a tournament? Mm. Could he, could he, you're telling me he can't go further? He can't, he can't preside over a penalty shootout where two players score and we win it? Charlie, isn't it a massive coincidence that um, taking this team as far as someone can always seems to be declared just after they've narrowly failed to achieve the objective they set out to do for a tournament? Why can't this be declared, say, two weeks earlier if, if we are in that ballpark? It's funny that, isn't it? Yeah, you know what? I just, just decided. I think I've taken them as far as I can. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, unfinished business, however, Dave, is... Whilst we've dug into this concept before, I think it is just for people who think life is a film trailer. And this idea that Southgate, in two years' time, he's going to look up and go, I can't walk away from this. I've got unfinished business. And then we kick on and we do it. But so, I mean, in, in, in the entirely opposite way, it is just as useless a phrase, isn't it? So, yeah, and, and if he's got unfinished business and we go to the Euros and he decides to stay and yet we we get knocked out in the quarterfinals, hmm. what, is that the business finished or <laughs> would it still be unfinished? When does it finish? I know. Yeah, what is it? That, what is the business? Obviously, ending the years of her is clearly the fundamental business, but I do yeah. fear for that. I do think that unfinished business does tend to be going back to something, doesn't it? It's more. I think that's the more pure version of. It would be like if Southgate was parachuted back in in ten years' time. He'd be having left now. I'd be like, you know, I just had some unfinished business. Interesting, actually, to think of that because obviously that's not a 
scenario that we've ever encountered as in, with an England manager going back. But do you think all the times that um, Louis van Gaal, Ronald Koeman, <laughs> Dick Advocat and Goose <laughs> Hiddink have gone back to Holland, they've had unfinished business every time? <laughs> do, you, do, you reckon they, do you reckon the phrase taking this team as far as he can even exists in the Netherlands? <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it too early. He might be back within 18 months to take his, his space on the managerial merry-go-round for the Dutch national team. There is one man who, in terms of the England managers, who very clearly has unfinished business, who is still out there. Big Sam. No, I think that ship has sailed now. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of talk over the last 48, 72 hours, Charlie, about um, fine margins. Um, again, another phrase that's being used willy-nilly. I don't think we've. I don't think anyone has really established what the parameters are for fine margins because it seems to me it can mean anything. It's being used quite literally in this sense because Harry Kane missed a penalty, which is considered to be a fine margin, no matter how royally you hit the ball over the bar. Is missing one penalty a fine margin? I think it's 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 just about acceptable, isn't it? I guess as well because there were big refereeing decisions in the first half. They're kind of fine margins. Right. Um, I mean, it should be. Is luck pure... fine margin? <sighs> Lady luck, slightly different. I mean, I think of that. Do you remember the City Liverpool game that decided the title in 2019? Would it have been? And there was that Mane nearly scored by. He didn't score by centimeters. I mean, that was like a genuine fine margins. But it does tend. To, I think because there's an assumption that you often hear at this level. You know, these yeah. are the margins we're dealing with. Yeah. So I think at any elite game. You, you can always slightly crowbar it in. Yeah, I, I, I think this is quite interesting, actually, because, yeah, you, that's a great example, Charlie. That's very literally fine margins. Whereas the penalty was actually, you know, it's, it's not like it was mm. the Rashford one that hit the post and went one way and could have gone the other way in the Euros or whatever. He's, he's skied it. He absolutely smashed it over in the margins out of bounds. <laughs> in yeah. And the two French goals were, they were good goals. That It wasn't like... A scuffed shot that on any other day might not have gone mm. in. They're like we would beat, you know, great header from Giroud, good cross, really good long range shot. Is that is fine margins simply saying, well, we lost by one goal? Well, yeah, yes. I was going to say the scoreline is. is fine. It is simply, yeah. If you lose by more than one, it cannot be fine margins. I feel like there's a fluffier kind of wider usage in relation to fine margins, which is Charlie on any other night, on mm. another night. Yeah, as if you, if you ran this over football manager a thousand times, then England would have won it five hundred and one times. Play that game, t- you know. Play that game a hundred times. Mm. I think they're losing very often. Maybe that is fine margins. Maybe that's fine margin. I, ju- I, ju- I think we're relying too too much on fine margins. Is the overall point I'm making here? And um, there's always a football reason for something happening, even if it's really boring and mundane. Amid all of this, whilst the recriminations weren't that bad. Amid all of this, um, an observation from Joe Jeffries, who is listening on BBC Radio 5 Live. I think, Dave, this might be the first ever footballer to get a book plug-in in a post-match interview. Here is Olivier Giroud. I was praying for a minute, a uh, second, uh, to get another one. And, uh, well, uh, God's plan it gave me the chance to put it back of the net. And I'm very grateful and uh, I'm very proud for my country. Just one more thing, because I know you're in demand. Could you believe it that Harry Kane didn't score that penalty? Uh, always believe, always believe. Like my autobiography, uh, I think uh, you never know in football. <laughs> That's amazing. The Fair brass place. neck of it, yeah. Why not? Always hustling. Quickness of thought. We should sort of squeezed in something available in all good books. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and yeah. some rubbish ones too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you know, Christmas is coming up. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> Actually, be doing a signing for my sins. <laughs> <laughs> 
Really good. Um, do you know what, though? Away from the World Cup, Charlie, all I want for Christmas is an away win in a local derby in the Championship, live on Sky Sports, commentated on by Gary Weaver. Here's Blackburn 1, Preston 4 on Saturday, the opening goal in particular. Forward by Scott Wharton. Letson in the way. Here's Chad Evans. Woodburn to his left. Woodburn could be in. Brilliantly finished. There we go. Preston North End are on enemy territory. <laughs> and they seize control of this Lancashire derby. <laughs> and their 4,000 fans at Ewood go crazy. Didn't quite get it, but it's no. it's there though, isn't it? It's there. Yeah, he can't he can't go he can't just say plant the flag. <laughs> he's got a, he's expanding his his array of options there very well. And like you hear that, and I'm comforted by it, and it's great. A sense of normality has come back to the world. But also, imagine a Weaver at the World Cup. Oh my goodness! Mm, yeah, It'd be great. so much flag planting. I mean, Morocco. all the geopolitics. Yeah. yeah. It would make a lot more sense for him. Someone pointed out, Charlie, that Morocco have beaten three infamous colonisers already. Yeah, um, and France to come. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Weaver would have a field day. Yeah. Absolute field day. Getting his history well, books as, out. Well, as we discovered, Weaver, the first recording, wasn't it? Hmm. The first recorded example of Planty Flag was in a European tie, that amazingly. Was. Malaga versus Dortmund in 2013. One for the live show heads, that one. This was his um, version of events at 2-0. Uh, which I really thought was going to be a flag-planting situation again, but I, I do worry now, Dave, that he's on to us. Put themselves into trouble again here, and Daniel Johnson could be in. Johnson, Chet Evans, 2-0 pressure, North End. What are Blackburn Rovers doing? What Preston are doing is really taking them apart at Ewood Park as they look to take Ewood Park. <laughs> He's just obsessed. He's obsessed with the possession of other people's yeah. territory, isn't he? He'd be a really good bailiff, wouldn't he? He, <laughs> he does want to redraw the map. I'm coming through your front door and I'm taking away your TV. <laughs> and you can pay the rest on a pre-agreed payment basis. He does what he wants sort of... Yeah, territories annexed by other parts of the country and borders redrawn. It's like a game of risk to him, football. Coming round Gary Weaver's house I mean, to put up an extension on the back of his house. He would love it. Oh, dear. Right, lots of chat there about um, the travelling fans at Ewood Park. Jake Bland writes in, Charlie, and says, Thoughts on people referring to fan bases as, insert team name suffix here, faithful in casual conversation. My brother did it earlier and it disgusted me. Surely it's something only journalists and commentators are allowed to say it's not an everyday conversation line. I uh, have to say I agree. You, you, you can't be using Club X faithful in conversation at any point. No, it's, it's journalese. Mm. It's not proper, um, yeah, conversational English. <laughs> It's, I mean, because it's a second mention. Yeah. Dave, would you ever say the Watford faithful? No. <laughs> Simple as that. Yeah. Um, Why Jake, would you? A, open and shut case for Jake Bland there. I want to end on one final England World Cup preoccupation. I'm not ready to let it go just yet. I want us to establish, based on everything we know about this particular art form, the England team that will win the 2030 World Cup. Eight years from now, we'll go with 4 3 3 because that'll probably still be in vogue then, Charlie. Mm. And it's still the best formation to use when you're picking any sort of uh, hypothetical team, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't, if we were really um, 
doing this properly, we'd say, well, the tactical trends are pointing towards this being the formation, but we're not doing that. So um, Jordan Pickford, presumably out of the picture, uh, Dave, he'll be he'll be 36 by the time the 2030 World Cup comes along. Aaron Ramsdale's still only 32, so I think he'll get the nod on the basis that people think goalkeepers still peak in their early 30s. So he's still a safe bet, isn't he? Yeah, for the- yeah I think so. 2030 team compilers we're doing this with ironic distance aren't we charlie right yes this is not our attempt to say <laughs> you know we've scoured the country and these are the mm. hot young talents to look out for yeah don't no, come no. back to us in 2030 and say oh well actually they yeah exactly exactly this is definitely not it um in defense basically any up-and-coming defender who's not in the squad at the moment because they're all too old yeah who will be hovering around the age of 30 in 2030 so mark gay crystal palace who missed out on the squad now is, is probably going to be sort of considered one of the linchpins of the England defence in, in eight years' time. He'll, he'll still be only 30, Charlie. So that mm. seems like a solid option. I've seen him and Tamori already mentioned in these ah, sorts of pieces by, yes. oh, and don't forget, we've we've got the likes of mm. Gwehi and Tamori still to come into this squad. Yeah, for centre-halves particularly, because they're not as highly rated as, you know, academy players as, say, midfielders and forwards who aren't, you know, not as electrifying, Dave. You kind of have to rely on youngish, established Premier League players at this point to predict your team for eight years' time. So they're about as good as, as it gets for predictions, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I've, I've seen these those two referred to already. And I've, I've also would throw into the mix, you occasionally get, like, again, because perhaps the sort of slight scarcity of centre halves, you know, I, I think I've seen like the likes of like Tyler Harwood Bellis be mentioned, mm-hmm. who's like yeah, on loan. At, well, he's at he's at Burnley now, isn't he? Was at Manchester City, but he's like in the England youth system. Like you get just a bit of a random name. That, just that is a there. great shout, actually. Yeah, sort of mm. promising players who are tearing up at academy level and have cool names and <laughs> and or are on loan somewhere and impressing and ever a certain age that could so they could sneak in at centre half what about Jed Spence he's going to be 29 in 2030 Charlie uh, st- has he still got enough um, sort of promising credibility in the bank from his kind of yeah I think days? I think he's still seen as the kind of like unleash Spence mm. I think he's still just about in that moment because he's only halfway through uh, his first season in the Premier League so yeah no I think I think he could be seen as someone who yeah by then he'll have you know he'll have been unleashed and he'll mm. be sort of settled right back our mid- midfield options perhaps not as difficult to forecast Dave uh, Declan Rice will only be 31 by then his legs will go yeah I don't know if I could see him still bounding around into his mid-30s but maybe 31 probably still be just about alright maybe he'll be doing the sort of Henderson role in 2030 Charlie he'll be the mm. sort of player who mm. whose legs have gone to a certain extent but people still want him in there because of the experience that he brings do you know what I mean he's, he's, he steadies the ship in midfield yeah and he'll be yeah. such a wise old head won't he like you can just imagine him pointing at a younger player who's just done something really good in a game as he's sort of yeah, sort of humbly doesn't want to take the credit. Declan Rice will definitely fulfil the Henderson role, uh, specifically, Dave, the bit where they show him video of him eight years ago and he sort of smiles at it and goes, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, not sure about the Barnet, but yeah, no, good memories, <laughs> yeah. though. Good memories. <laughs> yeah. The club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Jude Bellingham, captain, yeah. Charlie, because he's captain material now, isn't he? Because he went over and, and, um, and yeah. G'd up Carrie Kane after that penalty miss, and that's it. That's, that's captain know, yeah. material. A lot of he is 19. He's, like, he's let 19. that sink in and he's so best, easy to forget mature. he's 19 yeah. isn't it a yeah. couple of couple of villa players <laughs> as well or one is now an ex-villa player jacob ramsey mm. uh, and um the lad who went from villa to chelsea in the summer i apologies for my terrible pronunciation chukwameka mm. yeah who's big prospect alfie devine as well of tottenham they're all i would say in that mix they're all really good forecasty eight years time players as well yeah this is all great um harvey elliott's 
only be 27. Probably Elliot, yeah. Just like Bellingham um, in 2030. So he could be the spark that gets England over the line. Up front, Saka, still only 28 yeah, days. Saka, but I can't yeah. think, I can't imagine a 28-year-old Bukayo Saka. I don't think I want mm. to imagine a 28-year-old Bukayo he, Saka. He does, he's just got such a baby face. It, you can't imagine it, can you? But um, yeah, he'll, hopefully he'll still be there. Yeah. Phil Foden will be 30. Again, again, Charlie, as much as that puts him still within the acceptable age range for being a England international, I don't think he'll be good when he's 30. Is that bad mm. to say? <laughs> he'll have played a Why lot of football. He? Yeah, yeah. And played a lot of football. Those two options are too easy, Dave. They're just players who will still be young enough in 2030 and are good now. What we need is someone who's famously young now and will be, you know, potentially peaking at that moment. And all I've got is Ethan Umwaniri because he was famously young this season and therefore he oh, will be yeah. in the mix. A mere 23 years old in 2030. He's the guy who came on for Arsenal against Brentford and it was, this is the youngest guy ever 15. Uh, wow. to have played. Yeah. Okay. Wow, so easy to forget. Terrible. He's just fifteen. That is mad. Twenty-three and twenty-thirty. Christ. All perfectly rational. All perfectly feasible. All plausible. And that's our team to win England. The twenty. They have to win it as well. They can't just. Yeah, this isn't the team win. who will be at the World Cup for England in twenty thirty. This is the team that will win it. As Gareth Southgate is is parachuted back in just before yeah. the twenty thirty World Cup. Unfinished business. Genuine unfinished business. Great stuff. Thanks to you, Dave, for the adjudication panelling today. Thank you. Cheers to you, Charlie. Thank you. And we'll see everybody on Friday. See you later. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.